are listening to the Twin Cities Apologetics Podcast, recorded from the studio of OAC Technology, who provides helpful IT support for businesses. This podcast equips followers of Jesus with apologetics resources to strengthen their faith and build them up as ambassadors for Christ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Twin Cities Apologetics Podcast. My name is Jeremy Lin, and this is our second podcast for this group. It's something that we're looking forward to continue doing, and especially looking forward to having guests on. Today, we are going to have a guest on the podcast. Uh, his name is Jordan Apodaca. He is going into full-time ministry soon with the apologetics organization, Rossio Christi, which is a really exciting path that, that God is leading him on there. Um, if you can watch the, the video feed right now, you'll see that Jordan is not next to me and I'm not in a podcasting studio. And the reason for that is when we had our uh, conversation, we lost a lot of the, the beginning audio of our conversation. And that sort of thing can happen. Uh, we're starting off with these podcasts and we're working with, with computers. I mean, those technical things can definitely take place. So super frustrating. But I think it will work out okay, because some of our uh, introductory things we discussed, uh, I'll just summarize right here uh, myself. And then as we get into some of the the main content of our conversation, uh, you'll hear Jordan and in his take on different things. What we're talking about today is apologetics, and this will be a two uh, segment series talking with Jordan about the question of why do Christians need apologetics? Uh, this first segment today is going to be focusing a lot on the Bible and what it says about the need for apologetics. Uh, the next segment will talk about different objections that people have towards apologetics, especially uh, objections that you might hear from Christians saying that we don't really need this uh, as Christians, as Christ followers. So first, before getting into some of that content, I want to introduce Jordan and who he is. Jordan is uh, a young adult who lives in the cities here um, and is going to move to California pretty soon in, in two weeks. Uh, he is going to enter into full-time ministry with Rossio Christi, which is an apologetics-focused organization who goes on college campuses and proclaims the truth about God uh, to people on campuses and also uh, equips students who want to really dig into apologetics material and to be able to use that for God's kingdom. So he has been raising support over the summer uh, for that ministry and is very excited about entering into that. As the, as the college year begins pretty soon here in September. We talked about, in, during our conversation, uh, about apologetics, kind of the, the basics. What is apologetics? Why do Christians need it? So when it came to how we define apologetics, Jordan talked about uh, apologetics is something where Christians build a case for the reasonableness of Christianity. So there's basically a two-step strategy to this. One is to show that God exists and, and made what we see around us. And another step is to show that the things about Jesus and his life are true. Things like the resurrection. 
so um, we can kind of approach that whole process in different ways. Uh, there's kind of a defensive approach to it where people have different objections and uh, Christians are defending the truth of Christianity through those objections. Uh, and then there's kind of a more uh, offensive type of approach where Christians show the inadequacy of other worldviews that are out there. Apologetics, the word itself, comes especially from a passage in the Bible in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, which says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. The Greek word for this, this word answer is apologia, which is the base word where apologetics comes from. So what exactly are uh, Christians supposed to give a defense of? It's basically a reason for the hope that they have, the hope they have in Jesus. So basically, as Christians, there's this command to always be ready to give this apologia, uh, this defense for Christianity. And that really leads into why do Christians need apologetics? So Jordan and I talked about that idea. And there's uh, three main reasons uh, why Christians need it. One is for, for yourself. Uh, maybe today you're you're good when it comes to your faith and you don't really have doubts about intellectual kind of things about God. But at some point in your life, you most likely will doubt your faith to some extent. So this uh, apologetics helps you to have a, a base to, to get through uh, those doubting moments in your life. As a, a Christian, you need apologetics for your friends as well. Uh, your friends may not want to know why God exists or why they should believe in all the stuff about Jesus. So even if you're good yourself, let's say, with, with doubts and, and those different things, maybe a friend is in need of this apologetics material and, and knowing uh, the truth about, about God and, and about Christ. And then thirdly, apologetics is needed for engaging with the culture uh, in, in conversations. Uh, there's a big perception that only material things exist, but there's the question of, is that true? Is there some sort of supernatural presence in our world? And that's one uh, big thing to, to consider when it comes to the area of apologetics. So we went then into some of the main passages showing the need uh, for Christians to engage in apologetics. And uh, this is where uh, eventually Jordan picks up in the conversation and, and we have the audio back. But he, he talks, first of all, about texts in the Bible that contain direct or indirect commands to do apologetics. And uh, that was already stated in, in the, the 1 Peter 3 passage, which uh, talked about making an apologi apologetic or apologia for, for our faith, uh, for what we believe. Um, and then Jordan said a more convincing kind of uh, text in the Bible to him showing the need for apologetics are texts that give examples of individuals in the Bible practicing apologetics. So here he went into uh, one main text, 
about the Apostle Paul, a, a key figure in the, the early church, and his interaction with, with Greeks in, in the Bible. So uh, here he goes to, to Acts 17 and uh, talks about or reads this narrative about Paul having these interactions with people who don't believe in God. And this is where our audio picks up. Uh, and by the way, the audio uh, this time is not very good because we didn't get it from uh, a strong source. So uh, don't mind that. But the next segment, segment two, where we talk about objections to this whole concept of apologetics is going to be much better on, on the audio and, and the video side as well, just to make you aware of that. So with that said, I will read this passage, which Jordan is then going to comment on once the feed uh, with him comes in. So this passage, Acts 17, uh, says, picking up in verse 16, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Uh, and then he, he goes on saying, uh, So Paul, standing in the midst of the uh, Eropagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the, all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the arts and imagination of man. So Jordan is going to pick up from here and talk about uh, what he observes in that passage and, and what Paul is doing in this conversation. And so here Paul begins his speech with the existence of God. He argues against their false beliefs and he argues for a proper understanding of who God is. He's not an idol. He's uh, the one who brought into existence all of creation and matter can't himself be material. I think that's sort of how he's reasoning there. Um, and just notice that he appeals to things that they already believe in making these arguments. He quotes two different, uh, one's a philosopher, one's a poet. In him we live and move and have our being. That's not a scriptural quotation. It's from their own culture, something that they already believe. And the same with, for we are indeed his offspring. And then he goes on, I won't read it just for the sake of time. But then he goes from there to say, so you were ignorant about this God? But now he's revealed himself historically in the person of Christ. And he's given assurance of this by raising him from the dead. So in Paul's mind, the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead is evidence that you should give your life to him. That you should um, follow him now. Because he's going to judge humanity. 
And so I think that his outline here um, definitely follows kind of that classical model of starting with the existence of God and then moving into looking at Jesus and having to deal with the fact that this guy claimed to represent God and then was raised from the dead. Um, it's something completely unique in history. Yeah, that is a really interesting formula to consider that Paul wins about his conversations with others in that way, especially people, uh, I believe that was the Greeks at the time, mm -hmm. they were people who didn't know Jesus, didn't, didn't follow him. Yeah. In that sense, uh, the people who Paul were talking to are similar to the people that we would want to engage with exactly. in apologetics. Yeah. Um, so in, in that sense, that biblical model can be, uh, or the, the model used by Paul in that passage can be used by us today in our conversations with yeah. other people. There is no passage, I think, that is more necessary for us to study today as far as just thinking. How can we biblically approach interacting with people who don't accept the existence of God, who don't accept Jesus, and also don't hold to any of our scriptures? When he was dealing with the Jews, he would quote from scripture, but... Paul doesn't rely on that, or he doesn't at least go to that as quickly when he's talking to unbelievers who are completely outside of the Jewish tradition. So I think it's very instructive for us today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that can also be applied to today. Let's say you're, talk you're talking to a scientist about God. Mm -hmm. um, maybe with that person you'd want to focus on scientific topics. Yeah. And if that could be same goes for people who have focuses in different areas. Yeah. So that really shows us the need uh, to be a, sort of a, a generalist in the sense, in our understanding, mm -hmm. that we can be, uh, as, as Paul says in one of his letters, all things to all people. Exactly. Um, uh, being able to interact and connect with people who have interests in, in various areas. Yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So that, that you said is... Uh, one of the most convincing passages I think so. you, you would say. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, just because you can kind of have that command in First Peter and in Jude to contend mm -hmm. for the faith, to give an apologia, the Greek word, and can kind of just land on you and be like, okay, what does this actually look like? Then you see Paul doing it in a context very similar to our own. Mm -hmm. And it's just very clear. It's like, oh, you talk about the existence of God, you talk about the resurrection of Christ. And that's all we're trying to do with apologetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Then the third category of texts are those that explicitly say we can know God exists through creation alone. And one of the most classic texts here is just Romans 1. It says that the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay, so what truth? It says for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. But how does God show his existence to us? Well, verse 20 of Romans 1, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So I think that that just says it very clearly several times, that God's existence is plain to us through creation. Like, we can know apart from scripture that God exists. Mm -hmm. And that's has been the pretty historic Christian understanding of that passage, from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, um, one more passage that I just want to look at briefly is in Matthew 22. It's not one that people often look at when talking about apologetics, but it kind of gets at the heart. Okay, what is the heart of um, an apologist? What is the heart of a Christian trying to reach this world? And as I've said before, 
Apologetics really tries to argue from shared ideas, from common ground, with the highest common denominator that we both believe. Um, and some Christians kind of get uneasy at that, but Jesus himself does it. And so it's a little bit longer passage, but let me just read it. It's sure. very helpful for this. So Matthew 22, verses 23 to 33, says, The same day Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Then he goes on to tell a story about a woman who's married to seven different men, and they all die. And they ask, okay, in the resurrection, if there really is a resurrection, who's going to have this woman as um, his, his wife? And then verse 29, but Jesus answered them, you are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so the Sadducees, they denied two things. They denied the resurrection, and they denied the authority of all the Old Testament books except for the first five. Uh, so just Genesis to Deuteronomy, that's all that they held to be authoritative. And they didn't see the resurrection anywhere in there, and so they denied it. So they come to challenge Jesus and say they have this kind of thought experiment, this really philosophical thought experiment. And Jesus does two things. He first refutes the thought experiment by pointing out that they have a faulty premise in their argument. They think that there will be marriage in heaven. But once you kind of realize that that's not the case, their argument falls flat. But he doesn't even stop there. He wants to try to prove from something that they already believe that the resurrection is true. And so he quotes Exodus 3.6 in which God affirms that he is present tense, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and so basically what he's doing, he could have appealed to texts in Daniel and Job in the Psalms that point to the resurrection much, much, much more explicitly. But because they didn't accept it as authoritative, he was willing to, for the sake of reaching out to them, kind of meet them on their terms, meet them on the common playing field. And that's kind of the confidence, I would say, of the apologist, is that no matter where you start, it will ultimately point you to Christianity. Yeah, yeah, it's also a really good example. So thanks for uh, reading that and sharing your thoughts as well. And we have another example here in, in this passage, Jesus talking to the Sadducees, of not only showing the, the need and importance of apologetics in mm -hmm. that you know, Jesus did this in yeah. his ministry, but also the method by which to engage in apologetics mm -hmm. with other people. And uh, I think you ran through a pretty similar uh, method like we talked about with, with the Paul situation in that passage, yeah. where you understand where someone's coming from, mm -hmm. what's, what's important to them, what their basis uh, that they use to determine truth is, yeah. and go down to that level and try to show, let's say, God's existence or the truth of Christianity from whatever standpoint that is. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's interesting is we see that, uh, number one, in Paul, and number two, with Jesus, yeah. They both go about things that way. And I think that's pretty good ground, ground to stand on. <laughs> yeah. Both uh, of those figures do, the, do a similar thing in uh, having apologetics kind of conversations with other people. Yeah, and just for kind of maybe applying this a little bit for today, one of the clearest opportunities that I think we have is people's just passion for justice and uh, truth right now, or not necessarily truth, but definitely justice. People are very much convinced that there are certain things that are right, certain things are wrong, and they're willing to march and advocate and sign petitions for what they think is just. 
and just kind of finding out what really gets people riled up, what do they care about, and showing them that those things, the value that they see in those things is best explained by the existence of God, that the objective morality is best explained by the existence of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you'll get into those in future podcasts and stuff, mm-hmm. how you could kind of build an argument from there. But just kind of digging down, like, no person is so far gone, you can put it that way, that there isn't something true that they believe. And so our job as apologists is to kind of find that and say, okay, here's kind of a remnant of God's general revelation that you're still holding on to. You're not suppressing this truth, so let's start there. Yeah, and the basis for morality is a great place to start because everyone, uh, I don't want to generalize too much, but let's say near everyone has some experience of a morality that is objective. Yeah. That is outside of their individual thoughts. Mm-hmm. They experience that. And even if they don't say it, they they do actually experience it. For example, yeah. if someone steals uh, their car, they're going to be upset over it, even if the other person thought that was okay for mm-hmm. them to do. Uh, so I, I think that's a great example to bring up that um, morality is something that people experience. That is a, a good place to connect with someone in terms of uh, being on the same page with that truth yeah. and building up from there. For sure. Yeah. Are, are there any other passages you wanted to mention, or uh, would you say those are, are some of the main ones from your perspective? Those are some of the main ones. There are definitely more. Yeah. Um, like, just all throughout Acts, just do a word study sometime on the word reason, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised. Like, it shows up solid 10, 12 times throughout it, just showing that Paul's zeal for ministry led him to reason with people, and... Um, one that I really like is the story of Apollos, when he comes to, I don't remember what city he was in or which city he was going to, but he left from one city to another, and he was this great debater, and he knew scripture really well, and he was basically a Jewish apologist, and so he would, he was able to have debates publicly with the Jews, and it says that this greatly strengthened the, strengthened the believers in that city, and so that's also another aspect of apologetics, that when there's kind of this public almost power struggle between two minds and you're able to see that Christianity holds its ground, that gives everybody else in the church more confidence to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. And that's that's amazing, too, that there are so many examples. Like, we went through some very significant ones, and then you have more uh, yeah. to bring up as, as we go along. Two more that I think are really interesting that are often overlooked, or yeah. maybe three, I don't know. But the book of Matthew as a whole, I think is an apologetic to the Jews. He's constantly trying to show how Jesus was a fulfillment a fulfillment of specific prophecies right. and also broad, broad motifs in the Old Testament. Uh, John constantly, the whole first half is built on these signs. And then at the end, in chapter 20, he says, these signs are written so that you may believe. Mm-hmm. And then Luke is writing, he says in the first four, four verses, so that Theophilus could have greater certainty of the things that he has heard and believed. Mm-hmm. So just even those Gospels. I don't know how Mark would fit in, per se, mm-hmm. but at least those three Gospels seem to have a very intentional apologetic aim. Right, so yeah, it's apologetics in the sense that they're trying to show someone that what they're saying is true, or that the things about Jesus are true. Yeah. And that's really what we're doing today, when especially talking about arguments for Jesus being God, or the things about Jesus' life. Yeah, these things that happened in the past regarding Jesus uh, mm-hmm. are actually the truth about what happened at that time in history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we'll 
end uh, our first segment here uh, about the Bible passages, and then we'll move on to uh, objections that people have towards yeah. apologetics. Especially, uh, this might come across as a surprise to some people, but a lot of Christians have uh, objections towards apologetics and whether we should be using them or yeah. not as Christians. Uh, in fact, uh, the cold case detective, J. Warner Wallace, wrote a book in light of, of that fact that people have these objections mm -hmm. called Forensic Faith, ma basically making the case for why we should make the case in the yeah. first place. And apologetic for apologetics. Exactly, yeah. So we'll get into that uh, as we go into our next segment, so uh, stay yeah. tuned for that. Uh, thanks for joining me for, for this segment and going over those passages. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's all good.